Welcome back to Model Student. I'm your host, Alexandra Rain, and on today's episode, our guest is Emma Ronthkamp. She is a sustainable and ethical designer based in Salt Lake City, Utah, who owns her own clothing line, which is a small batch brand. Um, if you don't know what that is, don't worry, we get into it in our conversation, as well as um, the like logistics of owning a small business, ethical practices, um, seeing clothing and the potential for fashion and ideas and creativity through the lens of sustainability, um, and plenty more. Emma is so insightful, and it was so lovely to talk to her, and highly recommend checking out her designs. Um, just like her, they are quite dreamy. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and as always, don't forget to leave a proper rating and review. Welcome to Model Student. Today I'm joined with Emma. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you and talk to you about your sustainable line and all things related to it. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I'll just have you introduce yourself for us. Hobbies, names, where you're from, whatever you like. Great. Um, I'm so honored to be here. I, so my name's Emma Ralkoff. I grew up in a very small town in Massachusetts, kind of like a rural town. It's outside of Boston, but it's not like one of those towns outside of Boston, (laughs) suburbia. We kind of had like farmland and it's like an apple orchard town. So it was quite idyllic. And I'm still best friends with my childhood friends since birth. Oh, amazing. So they're kind of more like siblings than friends. Um, That sounds so dreamy. (laughs) It was quite dreamy. My parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. So if they ever move, I'm going to be really upset. But they might. (laughs) Eventually. Yeah. It's kind of like a time capsule, the whole place. Like, it doesn't really ever change much. For sure. So you're from outside of Boston. <laughs> yes. And then I read an article about you for preparation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I saw at one point you lived in New York and then to Salt Lake. So in between, like, a farmland to, like, the city... <laughs> to like Salt Lake, which is like kind of maybe somewhere in the middle. What was that like transition like, and what were those moves like? Yeah, so after growing up there, I went to college in Western Massachusetts, which was similarly rural and small, but obviously there were it's kind of like five college towns, so there's lots of young kids and it's fun. Um, and then after college, I'm didn't really know what I wanted to do because I studied English and fine art and I was trying to figure out how to make art practical yeah (laughs) and and not be I don't know I I was anxious to be just an artist Mm. and a photographer or painter or something like that and so I drove around the country for three months. Friends joined me a little bit, and then I was kind of on my own for a lot of it. Yeah. And just a little walkabout, as my mom liked to call it. Yeah. And 
by the end of it, I kind of was like, all right, I think I actually want to go into fashion. Yeah. And so I reached out to a bunch of small brands because I didn't have any technical training. Yeah. Um, but like, I know how to draw and I've always loved clothes, yeah. which we'll get into, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, once I kind of ended that road trip, I mean, I decided to head to New York and a lot of my friends were in New York and I had talked to some of my older brother's friends who were vaguely in fashion fields and they were kind of like, yeah, you kind of want to move to New York. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to move to New York. I always loved New York. My cousin grew up in New York. I was always like, what? I lived in New York City as a kid. This isn't right. I should be in New York. And so... Yeah, I moved to New York and I reached out to a bunch of small brands and started working as an intern at a piece of part and then kind of quickly moved up and it was really small and we were making a lot in New York and just kind of learned everything on the fly and the two women that are the founders of that company are amazing and totally got me and we had a really... um, symbiotic relationship and understood each other and they gave me a lot of opportunity and so I'm really grateful for that and I learned a lot and grew up a lot and yeah so I was in New York for about four and a half years or so okay and then I met my now husband there and we he works in film production okay and so then we decided to move to Salt Lake City. He has some family from here. Yeah. He was working at one of the mountain resorts. Okay. And we were kind of ready to leave leave New York and yeah. try something else. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up in Salt Lake. Yeah. How do you feel like... Because obviously, yeah, like, if you want to be in fashion, it's like, go to New York. Do you feel like in Salt Lake, it's, I feel like there are so many cool, like, smaller brands here. How would you, like, I mean, it it kind of feels silly to ask, like, how would you compare Salt Lake's fashion scene to New York's? Because it's New York, but how would you, how do you compare, like, I guess, the experience of one and the other? Well, Salt Lake to me feels kind of like a, it's it's like a small town. Like it for sure is more like where I grew up. Yeah. Than living in somewhere like New York or something, but I think that's also because of the driving factor mm. and like and like where we live here. That like there's kids that just like run around the neighborhood. Like it doesn't feel like you're in a city, but then you can be downtown in five minutes. It's kind of insane to me. Yeah. So I think I mean the fashion stuff here. I just think that there's a lot of creative people in Salt Lake and I feel like more and more, even over the past like two and a half, three years we've been here, it feels like there's always interesting stuff popping up. There's little stores opening. There's all the vintage markets and things like that. I think that there's a lot of um, really creative people that are really like into it and have really cool perspectives. Yeah. and since being here, I've also um, been working for Mavo Kids, oh as my you gosh. might know. 
and uh, yeah so I, I didn't make that connection with Emily yeah oh cool so that's kind of like my job and Emily has been so supportive of my line too yeah and so I that's been really amazing to have here and um kind of have that little world yeah too because I mean I think so many really stylish and cool and women that are drawn to sustainability and just like independent designers and things like that are drawn to Mabo for sure um so so that's been really like such an wonderful element of being in Salt Lake for me yeah that's awesome I didn't I don't know why I never placed that together I feel so silly for not connecting those dots (laughs) no I don't well I know somehow we haven't run into each other I know I because yeah soon in real life not in zoom we'll cross paths um so when did you know you wanted to start your own line and what was the process of like having the idea and then actually like doing it? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think I always kind of wanted to do my own thing, whether that was what it is now or whatever it became. Yeah. Um, like since I was a kid, <laughs> I like in middle school we had to like raise money to go on some overnight field trip and so I made like (laughs) these I mean earrings and jewelry and stuff and my dad works at a hospital and so I would go in as like a little girl and sell these earrings oh my gosh they were so sweet that's so so awesome I'd say that I was probably better at sales then than I am now. Yeah. <laughs> so I should I should go look to my twelve year old version of myself for some sales advice. For but sure. I think just like doing something creative and putting it out into the world and having it be like pretty immediately out there is part of what I love what I do yeah for sure how did you like the business side of it did you have to like register for like an LLC or like was there like a lot of boring paperwork (laughs) involved in actually like doing it yeah in in Utah it's Utah's actually quite supportive of small businesses yeah and so it it was surprisingly not that confusing or hard I did once I did my LLC and my business license and things like that I then panicked and was like I must have done this all wrong yeah and had a lawyer friend look at it and they were like no you did it right and I was like oh okay I guess it was that like it felt too simple to be real yeah um so yeah it's surprisingly and I think that Utah is really supportive of small business and especially over the pandemic. I mean, I wasn't quite established enough, but I know that the different sorts of small business loans and stuff during the height of the pandemic were really incredibly helpful to a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. I always, yeah. I feel like I, like the creative side of things I can understand, but then when it gets to like, 
I don't know, technicalities. I'm like, uh, like I panic, like with paperwork. No, I feel the same. I feel the same way, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it, it's all, you can figure it all out. Yeah. And then I also have people like Emily and my brother and all sorts of people who I can turn to and ask questions about more of the technical parts of having an actual business. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing your last name right. It's Rothkamp, oh, yeah. right? Did I that? You kind of cut out. Yes, I think you did it right. Rothkamp. Okay, yes, that's what I said. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. your line and brand is named after yourself, Emma Roth Comp, and you prioritize ethical yeah. um, practices. Why is that important to you as like a business or as a line, as a brand? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's already so much stuff getting made and there's a lot of small brands that are doing things in a really good way and there's a lot of big brands that are hopefully trying (laughs) there's there's just a lot of stuff out in the world yeah and that can be really it's it can be really dark and so I think that the only way that I I felt like I wanted to do this and to make stuff of my own is to really know the people making it and understand all the processes and um, work with materials that are either discarded and dead stock or vintage or uh, really high quality natural materials farmed in a good way. And so that is kind of the whole point, but also it, I, it ends up having a really good putting like design restrictions on yourself in a really good way. Because if, I don't know if if there's not some real restrictions and vision and walls to work within, it's kind of like, Whoa, what is this thing? Yeah. And so I think it helps give a voice and a perspective um, to the clothes. Not that, it's close. Like yeah. it's not the most serious thing in the world, but I do feel like on, Oh, I don't know, in some way that like, what's the point of putting things into the world for just putting things into the world's sake for sure for just making, sake. I mean, there is that and it's like arts for art's sake, but I also, I don't know. It feels closer to my heart and more important to do it in a way that feels good yeah definitely more personal yeah I think there's also something to be said like so I feel like in every podcast episode I'm like so I grew up dancing like I've said it like a gazillion times but I feel like with that it's like you're just there's not really waste it's like just my body so I can like do a fun little dance and there isn't any maybe harm on the environment or like on yeah workers with clothes there is like I feel like more of a well obviously like consumption but like consumer like clothes are the most consumed art out of anything probably arguably I would venture to say um so that makes sense and I I mean I think it's 
important to create things with a purpose and you've done that and doing it through the means of small batch line can you explain what that means from like a technical like point of view yeah yeah so it's kind of it's basically just that uh, I'll only make like 10 or 20 like the I am making one shirt coming this fall and like I'm gonna be making like 50 of it which is crazy for me yeah but um just so I actually have things to sell yeah (laughs) (laughs) I mean and it's a great shirt but I think, yeah, small batches, it's just literally a small batch of something. It's kind of like a limited edition, but it's also like once you have it, you have it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. And that's mm. kind of the beauty of it. And then maybe it will come out again in a new fabric or something like that. But that's also the nature of working with vintage and dead stock fabrics. Maybe I find a roll that has 15 yards on it. Maybe I find a hundred yards of something and they make it in a couple styles, but, um, it's, yeah, it kind of makes it so it makes it special, special. And it's also, I don't know, there's not so many, so it's more sustainable. I love it. I feel like, I mean, I like in high school and middle school go to like forever 21 at the mall and I'm like, Oh, sensory overload. Like there was just so much of everything and yeah. I feel like we've got, yeah, so used to, like, excess, and um, there's something really unique and tender about, like, having it be handmade and, like, a limitation on, you know what I mean? It feels like you're getting, like, a card from a friend or something like that instead of just, like, yeah. I don't oh, know. So I like that. Yeah. I think also, I don't know, I... I've always worn like vintage things or like I've always (laughs) whenever like a store has a sale I'm always like wait but that's my favorite thing like I would be the worst buyer yeah because I like something that's like a little bit off or like a little bit different yeah that's maybe like a little bit less universal or commercial or something Mm. and so I think I always I don't like to be wearing the same thing as everyone else for sure and so I think only making 10 of something it's like oh this is like a really special thing and like there's only a few other people that are wearing it and like they love it too and I don't know it just, it's like a club it kind of brings people together in that way yeah I love that so the collection is also your collections are also described as being seasonless why do you feel like it's important to have? I know people call it like capsule wardrobes as well. Yeah. But like pieces that can go from season to season, especially in a place like Utah where like our weather is like all yeah. season. Yeah, like actually so extreme and like yesterday it was so sunny, today it looks like it's going to rain. Like can you kind of explain <laughs> like the importance I guess of having like staples or essentials in your closet? Yeah, I think I try to design everything so it kind of goes back to stuff you already have, like your vintage jeans or like a skirt and overalls and things like that. Um, And I think, I don't know, like I've pretty much always lived somewhere with seasons and pretty extreme seasons at that. And 
I don't know, I was never someone to like put my summer clothes away in the winter or I mean, besides like big jackets away in the summer, I guess that doesn't really make sense. But in terms of like tops and bottoms and dresses, I, I feel like there's always a way for the most part to layer things and throw a turtleneck under for the winter and tights and leggings and whatever and just really like layer it up Mm. and then in the summer just de-layer and tie shirts up and roll sleeves up um yeah so I I don't know it's seasonless I would say it's less of a capsule because I don't know I'm not quite um a minimalist enough for any of that yeah like it's I think it can all kind of work together and work more importantly work with the clothes that you actually have and wear on a daily basis and just add something that's a little bit more special and unique to that cool awesome I want to talk to you as like someone who's actually has a sustainable um, like fashion brand, a lot of objections, I think, with ethical companies, but especially I feel like targeted to like fashion brands is like, oh, the price, like it's so expensive. Like, why yes. would I spend like $200 on like a single item of clothing? Um, what would you say about like making like an investment in the clothing that you wear versus fast fashion? Or like, how, I guess I just want to hear about your process of like how you price things why you price them that way and kind of explaining from like the inside why ethical brands yes are expensive are more expensive yeah so there's a couple things I think first of all when you're not making thousands of one thing it is more expensive to make the Mm. fabric you don't get a price break when you buy fabric so if you're buying just a little bit of fabric, it's pretty expensive compared to if you're buying even the same exact fabric, but you're buying 3,000 yards of it and you're going to be making a thousand pieces of something. Yeah. So the price increase is there. And then also, if you're buying, like I use um, Corozo or Tag You and Nut buttons, which are like vegetable ivory, is what they call it. It's like a not in the Amazon that can be carved into a button. Cool. A lot of people are starting to use them. They're awesome. Um, but like, that's obviously going to be a little bit more expensive than a plastic button. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, trims and buttons can just go up and up in price yeah. depending on the material. And then just having, getting something sewn the time that it takes to sew 10 of something from the time you're cutting it, you're not cutting it on big industrial machines. You're cutting it either by hand or with a small razor or something. And so that the cutting takes more time and it's a little bit more precise. And then the sewing is it's with my pieces. Sometimes it's all done by one sewer instead of by like uh, more of like a factory line where someone's using one machine only to do the side seams and then the next person takes it and does the plackets and things like that. Yeah. So it can kind of be like one person is spending the time making the whole garment. Um, and so that 
also increases the price. So, and also I'm making things in right now all in the United States. So with a factory that's actually in Utah with some factories I've worked with in New York that are small and kind of family run and they live in New York city. So the minimum wage is a lot higher and they pay them accordingly and yeah so things things can add up and then the other thing with a lot of um like small brands they are working on a wholesale model so they're marking they have to mark things up kind of twice which is unfortunate but it also makes it so they can sell their clothes yeah through other boutiques and retailers which is kind of a necessary step and so unfortunately can make the price a bit more expensive whereas I mean so far I've been mostly selling things in a direct just from my website yeah so I can I can price things as fairly and inexpensively as I can things are still really expensive yeah um but like if I choose to do a wholesale I'll either just make a little bit less on each piece or I'll have to raise the prices so it's kind of it's really hard to figure out what's best because you don't want to make things price restrictive but you also want to make enough money to make the brand worthwhile make using and making (laughs) for sure I think that's the thing is I mean when you've like I would say before or even while I was still under thrifting like I shopped mostly fast fashion just because that was what I knew to be normal at the time and when you have t-shirts that are like five dollars it really like warps your perception Possible. Yeah, for sure. And it like you breaking down like, oh, yeah, this is why it's price. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes so much more sense. Right. <laughs> than like, uh, like, I don't know, than like a $10 or like, you know what I mean? Like the massive like fast fashion hauls for like $1,000 where they get like literally <laughs> like a whole new closet, which I, I know I sound judgmental, but no, no, I can't I help it. <laughs> no, I think that. It's hard. I feel like when I, like Forever 21 and those sorts of stores, like they started to exist when I was probably in high school Mm. Um, and in college for sure. And it's, yeah, it's like, oh, like I like this thing and like it's fun to wear to this event or whatever, but then it's like, wait, I'm never going to use this again. For sure. And it feels like it, I think it's much more about like educating young people about how things are made. Because I think if they knew, if they knew they would care and they'd be like, oh, why don't I just, this one really beautiful dress that I adore instead of buying these five things that I don't really like, but it's kind of fun to have new stuff and whatever. Yeah. So I I think that it's more, I think it's, it's, I think it's really hard to be young and figure out how to dress that makes you feel like kind of adjacent to your peers, but also like your own unique self. And 
at least for me, that was always kind of hard because I always wanted to wear like stuff my mom wore when she was my age and like kind of funky, crazy vintage stuff. And I would get made fun of a bit, but I had a pretty thick skin because, you know, I have an older brother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. there is about like there it's hard to find the balance of like what's you and what's kind of socially acceptable when you're in those hard ages where you don't want to be so different for sure I know it's I want to do like a whole not thesis but like kind of thesis or like at least like I don't know about just like how when you're yeah those ages of like I would say like middle school to high school maybe even early college like how like style evolution and how like develop like how you develop your personality how you develop your style do you know what I mean I have um just a couple more questions that I want to ask you in our last few minutes together wait I think that that's a brilliant idea also oh thank you thank you (laughs) you totally do that and like interview middle schoolers and high schoolers I want to I I, honestly now you've inspired me I'll do it I'll go I'll start doing outreach I want to read or watch or listen or whatever oh my gosh thank you (laughs) wait and it would would be cool to like follow like 10 of them from like middle school through their like early 20s yeah oh my gosh yeah like a big longitude study longitudinal yeah okay I'll do it done it's happening and, like oh my god that would be amazing <laughs> I'll start I'll talk my uncles and film I'll talk to him and I'll get a I'll get a documented crew following me around okay. <laughs> um thank you so in your Liberty London interview, which I'll link in the show notes because it was really like joyful to read, um, you mentioned painters and film as well as nature's and the Mountain West inspiring you and being kind of amused for um, the collection, but also your, your personal style. What are yeah. some of your favorite pieces of art and movies? Um... Okay, one of my favorite painters is this woman, her name is Lois Dodd, L-O-I-S-D-O-D-D, and she's still alive and painting, Um, and a lot of, I also love, um, like, Alex Katz, who's a painter, Mm. and um, Fairfield Porter, and so Lois Dodd is kind of, like, their contemporary, and she has a lot of paintings in New York, and New England, and Maine, and one of my my parents' best friends introduced me to her work, and I, I just fell in love with it. And as a throughout my whole life, we've spent a lot of time up in Maine um, on Mount Desert Island, and she paints a lot, and it's quite familiar to me. And so I think I love that, and also just I think maybe you'll love her work too. So check her out. But um, she's yeah she's very inspiring I think also because a lot of her contemporaries are men and pretty well known and she definitely has a pretty a fairly big following but obviously not like to the same extent as someone like Alex Katz Mm -hmm. um and so I just thought it was amazing and kind of insane that I had never even heard of her until my family friend showed me her and I was like whoa this is like I I love her yeah totally do you Um, 
sorry go ahead dear oh I was as for films there's so many that I my husband and I always talk about how that's like the hardest question especially for him he works in film and everyone's always like what's your favorite film <laughs> like, yeah he, he's like I go blank yeah um, <laughs> but I I I'll tell you a film I recently watched and my it's it's called what's it called there you go no I love I it really I love asking I love putting people on the spot for what's your favorite movie or like what's your favorite book because it's such a hard question and suddenly it's like this movie was it's called love story and it's from the 70s I've never heard of it to make sure that's really what it's called (laughs) yeah yeah it is it's from 1970 and it's set in Massachusetts at Harvard Mm. and Pembroke which was the women's version of Harvard back in the day and it's just like very it made me think of my parents and just like 70s academia and I love I mean it's a really tragic story Um, and there's a line in it that is I guess at the time was like very cringy and I, I understand why, but like, because I'm so nostalgic and, uh, I just loved the whole thing Yeah, and the clothes are so fun. I mean, they're not like fun, but they're, they're kind of, they're just like of that era and really made me think of my mom because she kind of dressed similarly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'll I'll watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I'll make the documentary and then I'll watch <laughs> a love story. That's what's on my list. You have a lot ahead of you. Yeah, yes, definitely. It's been so fun, like talking to you and getting to know you better and understanding you too. Just like your history, but in our final, in our final moments together. Yes. What is there anything like? I guess your soapbox statement. Like, is there anything? that you feel like we missed or anything important that you want to conclude on the space is yours (laughs) oh you're so sweet I think I I just think that there's so much to discover and there's so many interesting small brands and makers and I I don't know I'm I'm just very inspired by all of the people making stuff and how supportive um kind of like a community of independent designers and photographers and people like that are as opposed to competitive or jealous Mm. or something like that like it really feels like people are excited about what other people are doing in this kind of smaller space and so yeah I don't know I think go out and discover things and I like to click on that little like drop down on Instagram when you oh, yeah. if follow someone and then it like suggests people I always find interesting people and things through that totally I know I think I think I mean I feel like everyone in the past like you know few years of the pandemic it's been like community community is so important but it it actually is (laughs) they're not wrong and I think fashion like traditionally it's kind of had this um pardon my French but like you have to be 
yeah, like you have to be a bitch and you have to be like a shark. And I just feel like I, I genuinely feel like we're changing to a more, um, uh, open and inclusive and community based space, at least is what I hope. But I, I mean, I think that it exists. I think that, I don't know, I think it's kind of like, uh, it's the same thing with having things be made in a more sustainable and more ethical way. Mm-hmm. I think small, small brands, small makers, small influencers, if you will, kind of start that trend. And then the bigger people have to follow suit, kind of. For sure. Definitely. So I think, I think so. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful too. And I am like 10 times more hopeful after talking to you. Really, it's been um, such a joy. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Model Student. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and I'll talk to you soon.